I take loss and hardship at an unusual pace. If reaching for glory is flying close to the sun, then sitting with heartbreak is crawling in the abyss. I sit with my failures and mistakes longer than I have ever sat with my triumphs. I am a man impervious to the fact that it is what it is. Instead, I yearn to devour the depths of pain to fully immerse myself in it, to dive inside its essence and find a home there until it was what it was. There is no peace on the extremities of life, and tranquility is found in the firefight of effort. Between the spaces of victory and defeat, you will find the presence of fear and loss. And inside these trenches, you will find your courage and your will. Between these cracks and shattered remain is your heart. There is no folding here. There is no giving up. Because the action of choice is rigid and unrelenting. Boom. <laughs> Some guy wrote that. Uh, some handsome dude, MDLP. What's going on, guys? This is your host, MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast, episode 36. I remember the number. Hell yeah. With my super handsome co-host, Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. Good morning. Good afternoon. Crazy. This is a Monday. It's Monday. It's weird. <laughs> but we're rich now. We do vacations right, yeah, whenever we We're loaded. I should have put my gold teeth on. Tremendo fucking... Ratchet, dude. Step on a peasant. <laughs> Stupid plebs. <laughs> that's my shit. No pleb year next year. Like, if you don't have an iPhone 13 Pro, that's it. Don't even hang out. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly I become everything I hate. Green uh, text message? Get out of here, loser. Yeah, disgusting. Um, this was our, our year in review episode. And, of course, we're going to always start off with giving thanks to everyone who supported us. Uh, MedCBD, um, thank you very much for your stuff. Cerberus USA, always taking care of us. And our discount code, Battle. And BV305, again, family all over the world, but always a main shout-out to the uh, Bearded Villains 305 um, and my cousin and that family. Big shout-out to you guys, who we'll talk about soon, but just your unrelenting support on all our events this year. Presence, help, uh, posting, reposting, actually, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and some of them competing. Um, And, of course, the Battle Axe Gym and the Battle Axe Clan. You guys continue to be the light at the end of the year and the tunnel and the one to start the next year. Thank you very much for everything, you guys, from extended family overseas to our direct clan here and all over the world, which is pretty cool to say. And all walks of life, from scumbags to doctors. This is the truth. Um, This episode, which we wanted to hammer out before the year ended, I think we've always, well, we've done at least two of these, is year in the review. Just sit back and see and think and talk about... um, all the episodes we've done this year, but not only that, all the the topics that have come up, the events that we've done as a gym, as a community, as a state, as an area, as a city, um, as a culture, I think is important to really get after. Um, and I wanted to end this this year on a good note. I love end of the year shit. I love it. I love when things are forced to close. I love when things are forced to come to an end. You know, for people who are successful and are busy, you know, January is just the next month. I understand that. Um, But I've grown accustomed and I've grown very fond of taking more days off at the end of the year. You know, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I would just call myself a pussy, even five years. But now I'm really riding that wave of coming on a Monday and doing a podcast, you know, not taking a day off on a Thursday at the end of the year, like refreshing my mind and taking the moment to appreciate 12 fucking months of hard work. 
because I would say that everyone who's listening will know that these, if you're a hustler, there are no days off. And I love the concept of let's start next year or, you know, let's start January with a push. But I love to look back to move forward. I am a person that necessarily lives in the past, but loves history and loves to dissect it and learn from it and experience it. And then just push forward and talking about everything we did this year is motivating to me, bro. Like yeah. you can, <laughs> I'm telling you, you can sit down with a group of people and a lot of people, yeah, we worked and we traveled. I'm like, yeah, but what did you do? Like, did you do anything? Did you create something? Did you change a life? Did you, did you strive for something? Did you risk? Did you uh, take a chance? Did you make mistakes or did you fail? Did you cry? Did you create? It's like, did you do something? Yeah. And I'm obsessed with that. And those conversations inspire me. And I kind of want to go out with that, that we can directly have a conversation with our listeners, but understand that you are in the room with us and we're looking back at the year, having some whiskey, having a cigar and telling stories about a fucking hard <laughs> and great year. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think with everyone, especially when you're uh, achieving small amounts of success, it's very difficult um, or maybe just doesn't happen regularly like it should were you able to look back and look at the things you've achieved in the year because small successes uh, basically make you more tenacious for the next success of course. and you lose all of the work you've done. Not necessarily that it's not there, but you tend to forget it because you're going after the next success so vibrantly. You know, it's like, yeah. so consuming. When, when you brought this idea to me and I was kind of doubling back on the things that we have done this year, I was like, whoa. <laughs> a lot of stuff happens there's, <laughs> there's a lot of episodes man like i'm always like man we did like five yeah <laughs> you know i'm like maybe six yeah uh but we've done tons and a lot of things were said and you know there were some times where we couldn't you know get together for a couple months and look now we're hammering two in one month because we have time and we really want to you know That's take advantage key. of those scenarios when you got them yeah and i think i think this is and i don't know uh you know for you but one of my focuses this year uh, is spending more time doing the things that I want to do. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not even, the add to that is is the yes, because I'm also at that age, and I don't mean like number-wise, because mm -hmm. I am 37, but you know, I could feel like an 80-year-old sometimes. But I also like to consider the spirit of youth, and I'm at that age now where the people around me, and the things that I want to do and the income that I'm making allow these little pockets of time to love to do things that I love to do outside of the obvious, yeah. you know, and sometimes spending time with friends or having a beer or, you know, just literally walking down the street and just having a moment to myself. I've become so valuable and it's and you're coming, you're talking to a person that works every fucking day of his life and yep. is on his phone all the time. And really, it's hard to take vacations for me mentally. It's hard for me to calm down. Even when I'm out doing something, I'm, I'll check my phone for work. You know, it's almost obsessive. And I've come, obviously, a realization, and always by living on the motto and the philosophy that everything ends. Like, I was just talking about this earlier. Like, that's not a catchphrase for me. It is a philosophy. It is embedded in my mindset. Like, this moment here is the only moment that ma matters because the way home, it could be over. And it doesn't make me negative. It just makes me adhere to doing things that I want to do with people that I want to do it with. And I'm just one of the lucky people in the world to happen to do what I love to do for a living. Yeah. And that's a part of it. But you also have to do other shit, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I guess we'll start small. Like, how is recovery going for you? <laughs> How's that tricep? Yeah, so 
Shit, I guess, okay. So between the last episode and this episode, I tore my tricep tendon. And it's the second surgery of the year. The first one being my knee, which was a choice. I didn't have to get that surgery. And I kind of look back and I kind of wish I wouldn't have gotten it. Um, sometimes I'm a little regretful about it, but it's the second surgery of the year. And that sucks. It's both on the left side. Um, I was pressing a block, getting ready for competition, of which they didn't even use. Because after I couldn't press it, they're like, eh. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, quite a kick in the dick, Papa. I was like, where's the block? They're like, no, we're not using it. I'm like what i'm like this mouser is a joke <laughs> you know like that other block was horrible the block took my tricep that took my it spit me up and chewed me out and um so i tore on that it was a complete rupture uh, nothing else mri said everything else was good which is great because i always had such um, paranoia about that bicep tendon on the left arm yeah surgery was about let's say i tore it on the f- on the first uh and i had surgery on the eighth so it's been about Two and a half weeks now since surgery, roughly, you know, almost three. And it's it's incredible, man. I mean, it really is. Like, I'm moving my arm, and it's not as bad as a bicep tendon tear. You know, I've tore that one on the opposite arm. Um, I can move. I can extend it. I can raise. I can do shoulders. I can still throw. And it's funny because, um, you know, when I had hurt my spine, you know, I w- that was a rough one. That's really rough because you can do anything. But when I tore my bicep tendon, I had less things to do, you know, because it is a really frustrating, you know, having your arm at that degree. But And it was being my right arm, which is like my throwing arm. But there's so many good things to do and other things to be productive, um, of course. And I had written about it, and it sucked. You know, it it really, everyone asked me if it hurt. I go, not as much as it hurt my heart. Like, (laughs) the heartbreak hurts more. Um, And to be stripped away and then to be reminded of time, and it's something you reminded me of talking about the last podcast, which I had to give a little listen to. It's like the first thing I thought about was, well, nah, fuck. Like I'm too old, like to lose a year. Yeah, that was really a that, great. Just, but then, you know, you reminded me, it's like, you always said that. And I'm like, I did. And um, again, to to completely reiterate the fact that I am just a competitive man, not just a strong man competitor. I will always find sport. You're right. There's some things that I may not do that I love to do. Like, I love to fight. I'm a fighter, man. I love fighting. I love throwing hands. I just can't do that anymore. I don't, I'm older, I'm bigger, I'm tired. I don't want to get hit by a 250-pound guy. Yeah. Um, and I found other sports and things to do. You know, I always want to get back on the rugby pitch. And I always want to, and I still do strongman. It's just, it took me 24 hours to gather my thoughts. And, you know, as you get older and more beat up, you take faster to recover because you're, you have so many other valuable aspects to your life if you really are successful. The physical aspect of this is not, I'll tell you right now, I've had worse, way worse. And therapy does suck and it's going to start to suck soon, but recovery is going great. Mentally, of course, you know, I can see the side of my arm getting smaller. It's not like I jacked arms anyways, but um, I, I wish I could tell you that I'm having like a hard time to make it really like, you know, me yeah. embellish it and make it into this like philosophy it took me about a day or two. And, you know, I, mean, I shed my tears. Dude. I'm not going to lie. It broke my fucking heart. And I didn't take it well the first time. I was very, very upset. Um, not like when I tore my bicep. I was like, meh. After a year off, I was like, what's another four months? But, you know, you do everything right. And that I did everything right for this competition. Maybe some of you can relate it because that's really what life is. And life is not fair. And life is not for pussies. It's, it's not fair. It's the nature 
and the nature kingdom is not fair. It's not. And that's the animal way. So for me to complain about it now, <laughs> when I did everything right, I mean, I slept, I drank, I, I mean, I drank like actually water. I didn't drink <laughs> alcohol. I wasn't getting drunk. I wasn't waking up at 3.30 in the morning to train. I mean, I tore it at 5.45. And, you know, you have all these things and you think about it. And there's always a speech that, that I used to listen to. I still do. It's like, what happens when you do everything right and then something goes wrong? You know, you did everything right. He goes, this is going to prove your resolve when you did everything right and still something goes wrong. And that, I'm like, well, I remember, I don't even have to hear that speech to hear it in my head. That's how many times I've heard it. And that kept playing in my head like I was listening to it on YouTube. And I go, it's not necessarily going to have to prove my resolve as a strong man because I don't have to prove that to anybody. But it will prove my resolve as a warrior. That if this is really the, the code that I decided to, and I need to get my shit together. And that is also, you know, life and how I treat business and friendships and relationships. Shit happens, dude. People make mistakes. People fuck up. Life is unfair. Some things that are going to happen to you, whether it's physically or somebody says something to you or does something or does something or they don't do something for you. That's it. And you have to grab that information. You have to accept that that's what you signed up for and make it stronger. And that's pretty much how it's become. I feel like heartbreak are like bones. You know, you, you break a certain part of your heart, it shouldn't break there again. And that's an okay thing. You know, unfortunately, it does calcify. It, it does get harder. And you might get a little bit colder, but that's not forever. Mm-hmm. That's, what you're bo- that's what you're doing until you heal. And once you heal, you can be soft again. And that's okay, because that's what's going to bring people to love and to love each other. And I express that to people all the time. They're like, <laughs> I know I come off as a person that hates more, but the only reason why I have anger or you can consider me somebody that hates is because I love deeply. And I love 100% when I love something. And I love it irrationally. And it's like I'm protective of it. I'm just stupid about it. Like I am with anything. You know this. You've seen me. You know, we're friends. We're best friends. So if something happens, yeah. there's no like, oh, I'm kind of, kind of, sort of going to be there for you, John. Yeah. <laughs> And it, oh, you need something? Oh, um, hmm, you know, I mean, like real shit, you know? Yeah. And that's how I treat sport. And that's how I've kind of looking back at this year, you know, after my, and you know, the vlog that my friend Gabby did, which was amazing, which was incredible. Um, it was sad that that was our last one, but it reminded me at the beginning speech is like, man, I trained my ass off for this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got super emotional about that. But I'm like, I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I can look back and not only anyone else, but me specifically looking in the mirror and going, dude, you really trained hard for this and shit happens. But what you did in the journey in the process is forever. Oh, excuse me. And then, uh, I think that's, you know, how we're going with that, man. I didn't, I was going to talk about it obviously. And I can do a whole episode on injury because I've done a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it does get tiring to talk about stuff like that. But when you live a fucking life, you're going to get hurt. Yep. Like, <laughs> I mean that in every aspect. You know, ask me how many businessmen have failed business ventures. If you're a bi- real businessman, a lot. Yeah. If you're a person that loves, if you're a person that lives, you're going to have your heart broken, dude. And if you're a, an actual athlete, bro, you're fucked up all the time. But there's, yeah. a, there's a blessing in that shit. And so I would say that the tricep has been just another chance for me to really solidify who the fuck I am. And it's hard for me to shake that, John. I wish I can give you some bullshit 
but it really lasted 24 hours. I promise you. I had my good shower cry, listening to Purple Rain. I woke up the next day. I was already in the doctor's office, and six days later, I had surgery. I got my cast off. I haven't missed a day of training. Fucking I don't. I don't even texting with my funny fucking arm. I wish you guys could see me like extended. I was already making moves. I was, I came home from the hospital high. The next day I was already texting people how to do footwork for Highland games and how to get my training session. I was already texting Rogers about PT. Like I was hurt, but there's things that I can do. And here we are, man. And then look, we're fucking podcasting. We're yeah. starting a new fucking year. Like I still got my arm dog, you know, like I'm not dying yet. Or at least I don't know. Thank God. <laughs> like, I don't want to know. I gotta wait till all my paperwork's done, and my yeah, wife is yeah. gonna get super fucking paid. <laughs> yeah, like, do that first. Do that first. Then the send off is gonna be great. Send off. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, it looked like a very good show. I, I, I got to see some of the competitors. You had competitors there. Yeah, man. You also got to great. judge. Yep. Which you're very good at. I am good at judging. Oh, thank you. I do like, things. I never do big things badly. <laughs> um, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah, Alan put it on an expo. He didn't want to. Credit to him. Put it on expo. Suck. He was kind of like forced to do that. So shout out to Alan and Ironhouse for for doing that because expo shows are tough. Yeah. I mean, you're you're subject to whatever those motherfuckers are doing. It's a union thing. You know, you can't do this, can't do that. It ran really fast and smooth on, on purpose because being there in the expo is tough. Man, it was heavy. I think those numbers were competitive, especially on the on the on the guy side, especially on the two thirty one side. Um, but I don't think it was a light show by any means. Again, shout out to all the winners. Uh, Battle Axe people did fantastic. Austin, Esteban, Gina. I think that was just a, a great um, a great outlook to that. Um, and a great, uh, like it was really good to see them compete at that level. Yeah, each one yeah. of those athletes, um, including DPRO, with their own very interesting story to Mike, get there. Mike, man, bro, I, I was going to save him, but yeah. I hope he listens to us and dies. <laughs> Mike's like, uh, and I'm not going to say anything I haven't said directly to his fucking face. Mike really works well with adversity. Yeah. You know, it's like he had to strain his calf or else he wouldn't have done well. That's the kind of crazy person he is. Yeah. And some of us are built that way. You know, it's like you want the Jordan flu <laughs> yeah. so that I can be in a place of like, okay, you know, this is going to kill me. And uh, he went up a weight class because he, you know, he needs to lose a little bit of weight. He couldn't make weight to 231. Then we chose to, I, I made the call. I'm like, I'm not going to kill you, Doug. Yeah. I'm not going to hurt you permanently or have some kidney damage for you to make a weight class when I think you're strong enough to surprise people. Guy strains his calf on the second event, women up for the yoke, and gets second place in heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, but it's, all, it's worth the years he's taken off my life. <laughs> um, I hope you're listening you sack of shit but yeah man you see things like that you see Austin you see Esteban looking better than ever after not competing for two years you know Gina coming in there and just joining us recently she already came to me a very very good athlete so it's not like yeah. but it was great to see her mental change and that's where something I was very proud of because you know I'm like this is what's gonna take you to the next level Sure, is doing things that you don't wanna do that you're not good at that you're not used to doing um, and just seeing the boys and, and, and Gina do that stuff was phenomenal. To be a part of a sport in any capacity. Hey, I'm hurt, but I'm going to judge. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's what, when you say you love the sport, that's when you love the community, you better be doing that. You better be out there loading a fucking plate, showing up early, you know, cleaning shit up, refing, judging, getting points. Like, 
I see a lot of motherfuckers out there like, oh, I love the community. I go, you don't do anything but compete. Though. It's selfish. That, good for you. Like, that's great. But what have you done for the community? Yeah. You know, posting your lift is not doing anything. Or giving advice of how to do a hook rip. Good for you, which is awesome. But I'd like to see you at a show. I'd like to see you putting in an effort, asking questions, learning. You don't have to put on a show. I'm just saying, like, give back. Because they need a ref. They need the, the environment. There's nothing better than a judge or, or somebody that knows, that competes, cheering you on, mm-hmm. giving you cues. Hey, don't let go. And people ask me all the time. It's like, oh, what can I do? I go, I can, I can show you. You need to clean that up. How about that? Load that plate. Help me out a show. Be a volunteer. You know, and showing up is, is good. But get out there, man. You know, and it's good to see that. Like, as you go to Florida, and I saw a bunch of people who were not competing or old heads, OGs, powerlifters there, like, yeah. putting in work. And even coming to show and support is cool, too, man. I'm just saying there's lots of levels you can do when you want to say you love the fucking community and you want to, sh- you know, spill all this bullshit on Instagram to make you look like a fucking saint, but you're nowhere. Here's the thing. This is just coming from me. <laughs> You, you always say how you want to compete in someone's show, right? If you can't, put your money up. Yeah. Buy a roster spot and put it towards the, the dollar pot. Yeah, or buy it for somebody else. Yeah. Sponsor yeah. somebody. Trust me, I've been there. I've yeah. been there where I've wanted to compete and been injured and couldn't and put my money up. Yep. Gave my spot away. These are the things that show true love to the sport, especially yeah. when it comes down. You love something? Put your fucking money Skid towards it. in the game, baby. <laughs> yeah. And no, no my, the, the skin that hurts the most is green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to put that time is money? You want to put eight hours yeah. of a day of just road travel, just traveling the, the, to get to a comp? I go, that's, that's when I tell people. I'm like, and that's the same reason why there's certain people that I'm like, thank you mm-hmm. for being there, for helping the athletes, for cleaning up. You know, like I reckon, and I'm always like, bro, thank you. Or when I'm, I put on Miami's and I'm getting like 80 messages, how can I help? I'm like, Wow. Yeah. What a good problem to have to me to be like, I really don't know what to do with you. Just show up. <laughs> Just be there. And I'll, I'll give you something to do, even if it's, you know, sweeping the floor up or helping me keep people alive. So I think it was an, an amazing. Um, it was cool to see that. It was, again, uh, indicative of things like Throwdown, Florida, these big shows. And it's just great to see. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard to be there and not be able to compete. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, and every a lot of me didn't want to go. I won't. I won't lie to you. Yeah. A lot of me wanted to stay home and sulk. And I'd be lying to you if I said I could not wait to be there. I actually wanted a reason out. But that's that's reality. Yeah. You know that's where having courage and having character. And when I say words like that, it's because I've also been on the side of lacking character and lacking courage and being a fucking pussy. Mm. And I say those words with 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 fervor because I have been scared and I have been the pussy before in my life and it sucks. And you never forget the moments that you were a coward. You never forget those moments because they sting for you forever. And I, you want to hear a story? It's a true story. I asked my PT and this is how fucking cowardice I was for a second. And I'm never going to forget it. I asked him to see if it was okay to go to Orlando, hoping he would tell me no. So I wouldn't have to go show face mm-hmm. because I was hurt and I didn't want people to see me week and he's like no you can travel and i go okay good you're right stop being a fucking pussy michael mm-hmm. go sh- those people need you your people need you like you have an arm you're not dying guy and even if i was i'd still go and 
I am only telling you this personal story and I to show you and why I'm hard on people when they they think, you know, not that I think people think I'm impervious to fear. It's I feel everything. And I make a lot of mental mistakes. I just show the fuck up because that's what champions do. That's what warriors do. And that's what people who are less fucking bitches do. I get up and I'm like, and I, bro, I promise you, I'm like, hoping he would be like, well, you know, you just had, I had surgeries three days before going there. It's Wednesday. I was there on Saturday. I just got off fucking drugs. I was like, no, and I was a week after, sorry, a week after surgery, a week and a, a week and a day. I'm like, oh, maybe he'll say no. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go. And, and I'm telling you this personal story and these personal things because that's the truth. That is life. Mm. And that was a, a, a good part of me going like, hey, man, this is your test too. And I think a lot of us as athletes know that feeling. You know, sometimes we go into competition fearing the worst. And that's why I love sport. That's why I can look back at a year like this year and look back at all the years. And I can find little stories like this where you just show up for yourself. And those moments last forever for you. I'll remind you. <laughs> you, uh, you said leadership is servitude to others. Ugh. True leadership is serving others. So in some degree, your leadership overtook your fear mm. because you went to serve your athletes I and competitors. <laughs> Damn it, you're good. Subconsciously, right? It yeah. has to be. It is. Um, it is because as an athlete, I didn't, I didn't have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, as and a of man. Course, yeah. I mean, that we all feel these things, right? Of course. And, I, you know, of course I can help. It's not like Alan needed my help. He could have found anybody. But I was like, I need this. And I, yeah, leadership prevailed. The selflessness of being a coach beat the selfishness of an athlete. And, you know, those realizations are real. Yeah. Uh, man, and I, I mean, I tell you, the athlete is, is selfish and can be small and greedy and childish and egotistical and, you know, hurt and, and limping and angry and, Having to go out there and be nice is like, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind. Yeah. I was, you know, it's like I always say, the, the worst, the most dangerous animal is an injured animal. Because you, you have this chip on your shoulder and you're just fucking mad at everything. You know, you have like, fuck you, fuck your arm, you know, fuck your health. It's yeah. irrational, but it's true. Anyone who tells me no is a liar. But then you have the selflessness of leadership and, and coaching, which again, I, that's why I always say this. And I think anybody who is in a leadership position in any capacity, from management to parenthood, to being in a relationship where you run things, it's like sometimes that saves your life and it saves your character. And you and I've said it before in many episodes, like that's the truth. And I think that's what being in love with the community or at least loving the community is about too. It, it, for a lot of us, it, it gives us that drive to be a little bit less shitty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a great event, man. And, and overall, like these are kind of the, philosophical stones that we come out of those things with but yeah and uh, uh, again another big shout out to alan the richard lamb toy drive mm. again massively killed successful it. um killed it and i want to say thank you to everyone who participated because that kind of uh doubled into what we did at at the villains where we were <laughs> able to reach so we reached uh just shy of 200 kids what 600 toys fuck Right, well, so thank you guys. I know we talked about it on the last podcast. Well done. Well, the thing is, too, is the best part about that was, you know, we had these kids lining up, <coughs> and they're waiting to get their toy. And then you're like, no, you take five toys. Wow. And they're like, 
Five total. Five. <laughs> yeah, just pick one. Uh, you know, pick pick your five. <gasps> I could pick any. You like it? Yeah, that? really? Yeah, and these Ugh, kids. And, and, and we had, um, I think we had uh, close to 300 people show up total, and just shy of 200 kids, God bless. So that was pretty cool. And we were able to uh, send some toys up for Alan's show uh, to to do that because the Richard Lamb toy drive is incredible. Yeah, it really is, man. It's gotten huge. I remember when it was like, I think like 50 toys. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's December. We know we're planning for Miami's Baddest. Yeah. A lot of these uh, newer shows are popping up now. Um, we got uh, Myers Mayhem. Yeah. Coming up, our friends at Broward Barbell. Absolutely. That's the 30th of January, I think, or the end of January. So. We have a Treasure Close Classic in February. You have uh, the Strongest Manatee in March. You have Mine in April, uh, 2nd. You have the Iron Knight in June, and then um, Scorcher in August. That's the schedule that I know so far. Um, a lot of shows. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I, I just, a couple of them are unsanctioned, and there's always this kind of, like, there's a lot and a lot going on. And I, at first I was like, oh, well, this this is just too many, you know. Yeah. And But then really quickly, I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Um, whatever makes people go to this show and get out and do some sports is great. Now, I will always say, and I'm, this is because I'm an elitist, just because you do some strongman show doesn't necessarily make you a fucking strongman. And I'll go to the show and tell it to your face. You know, I thought this had, the show doesn't have to be sanctioned. I think that a strongman is made through shows, not a show where you just right. did okay and then you never show up again. Uh, I think that's just discredits the title strongman. Just like powerlifting. You did one meet. And you're like, oh, I'm a powerlifter. And I go, I used to be okay with that. Like, you can't call yourself... This is me being an elitist <laughs> and irrational. You can't call yourself a powerlifter, to me, in my opinion, if you just did one show at, at a certain level. You can say, yeah, I'm a powerlifter. I did one show. I don't know why I'm so irrationally against this, but I stand on this hill. It takes shows for me to say, hey, you know, you're a strong man. And I hope that when these shows, and the reason why I love these shows is it's giving people opportunity to do shows. Yeah to do shows that pe with people that are put on by people that love the sport. So you're, I don't care if it's light, but it gives you a challenge. Actually, these aren't the lightest, but they're good shows to come up to learn to, you know, cut your teeth and get on bigger shows, heavier shows, get in there, get involved in the community. You know, there's more to being a strongman than lifting heavy weights. There's more to being an athlete than going out there and performing. There's the right. off and on the battlefield concept, off and off the platform concept. So I love it. At first, I was like, man, well, fuck. And then I go, wait, this is great. A, because the more people that are competing, the more people out, the better for the sport and the longevity. But I don't care. My show is my show. And I know it's going to be amazing. All these shows are going to be great in their own respect. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think this gives a chance to people to become strong men, strong women, like get out there and be a part of this stuff. And I think that's the most, I think that's the best part. Because now you can say, yeah, man, I've been in Strongman for a couple of years or I've done. And again, I don't know the number. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, this is irrational. You must understand what this is. I don't know if two or three or four or five shows make you a Strongman. Just know that you have to go through some fucking adversity for me to say, welcome to Strongman. Yeah. That's me personally. I'm not saying this is the view of the gym nor of my friends. But I'll be fucking damned. If you did one show, which was super light, 
and you're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a strong man. And you did great. No, you never changed. You never got beat up. You never were scared. You never were even nervous to zero. You just kind of like walked in there and I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't think that's okay. And I would say the same thing about many things. Yeah. You know, just like if you play one rugby match, but like, oh, I'm a rugby player. I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not. You nah. played rugby, but that's not okay. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of us would say that. You know, oh, I'm a football player. I go, how many games did you play? Well, I was a kicker and I played one game. What are most people going to say? You're not a fucking football Kickers player. Kickers aren't football players. Yeah, or, or <laughs> I played I played linebacker for one game, didn't play again. Oh, you're a football player, though? But then you, we go to strength sports. Guy does one strong man. I'm a strong man. Everybody's like, yeah, no. Mm. No, man, cut your teeth, get beat up, be a part of the community, load some plates, get up there in the morning, make a show happen. Give me that. You don't have to lift every show. Where are you? I don't see you ever. Mm. You just, I'm like, nah. Because there's some people that do more for the community off the field that I would consider more strongman than motherfuckers that compete five times a year. I agree. So when I see this, I'm like, guys, we have opportunities. Look at us. You know, and I plan to be there, especially for Melissa's, because for, you know, for personal reasons and, and, and yeah. that topic is dear to my heart. And I, I really cared about Melissa. She was a really cool girl. And, I think what they're doing with that in honor of her is awesome. And I think she herself would want it to be like that. Not to go there and be a bunch of pussies because I think she would say the same exact thing because she was a tough little thing. But yeah, she would say, hey, fucking do that. You know, let's get together. Let's be happy and raise it for, you know, a great awareness against suicide. So, but this is a great opportunity for you to be involved in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I definitely plan on being there as well. Yeah, for so. sure. And I'm happy about that because that creates competition among show promoters. Mm, I love course. it. You oh, want to host maybe a show? Only for you know you, me. I'm like, I want to be the fucking best. You know? <laughs> I love it. That's cool. You want to host a show? Cool. I want to do a better one. And that just makes everyone win. And it's not out of spite, dude. I'm going to help everyone that I can promote everything. It's just, I love that. I yeah. am that person. That, that's me. As stated in the beginning of this episode, <laughs> I am competitive about everything. Everything. That's fair. It's fair. It's fair. It's disgusting. So let's get down to it. So we want to do a year in review. And uh, I think that, you know, maybe just go over some of the episodes we've done, yeah. the timeline, and then I'm going to read some things to you. Um, we'll just talk about it. Deal. Man, I know. I'm ready. I glimpsed at this, so I have no idea what's coming at this. All right. So. I scrolled as fast as possible. February. Mm-hmm. We titled this episode The Abyss. <sighs> so relatable. Yeah. There is no greater proof of character, courage, and will then to sit down with our thoughts and not only reinvent ourselves, but also take on new and difficult external challenges. Oof. I said that? You said that. Shit. Let's talk about it. Uh, I remember that episode. So January, you actually, I believe you did your Highland Games. Yeah, I did my Highland Games. Was it after that you had your knee surgery? It was when I had decided to start to uh, that this was going to go this way. Mm. Um, I remember le- I didn't do so well in nationals. I got hurt on many levels, actually. Um, and that was something where I was not good for a while. And then I realized uh, that this knee was just not going in the right direction. And I was kind of upset. You know, that it was, I was happy that I did okay. Yeah. But the feeling after and just going to Florida's again and not being able to compete and being slowed down again, it was tough for me. 
and I thought the abyss was like this, exactly what I felt. You know, I was in this place, deep and dark, and not necessarily awful, because I, I think when some people refer to the darkness, it's like, oh man, yeah, you know, that's bad. I go, and that's where I like to sit, not because I'm trying to paint myself as a goth kid. It's just I know that it sucks, and you have to sit in the suck to get better. And that's when I knew that year, and I remember when I went to compete in the Highlands game, and I did really great at the keg toss, which I, I hope to defend <laughs> this year. Um, I, I, I knew how I was gonna, surgery was going to become a reality, and that really upset me because I was nev- nervous. I don't know anything. Like, I know knee surgeries. My knee, I don't have good knees in my family. Uh, I had pain for everything. Uh, I couldn't walk. I was going downstairs terribly. The swelling wasn't going down. And that also led to, again, uh, a myriad of thoughts and processes and trying to get that out. And I realized that you know, by creating these external pressures and, and pushing, they, and this is funny because just recently I had said how important internal pressures was. And I think it's important to understand the value of creating these challenges around you to create that pressure inside. So I got back into Highlands. I started doing more bodybuilding. I was getting ready to schedule my surgery. I was now creating, getting ready for Miami's that we were finally allowed to do a show. Mm. How we were doing hammering out podcasts. I started dieting harder. I was getting more in my mindset of, of refix, of fixing this body. I started to look forward into the year. My mind was on Florida's in January. That's why the tricep tendon tear was so hard for me because I trained a whole fucking year mentally and physically to get there. And that abyss, that creating these concepts around me really pushed me in the right direction where I took surgery positively. I was walking down the street the next day. I was like, I'm back. I'm moving. I'm going. I'm doing upper body. I, I was driven more than ever. And that came from the realization of sitting in that abyss and declaring and putting these tasks in front of me at a capacity where I think it would crush the average man. And I'm like, yeah, like I like that shit. Yeah. Um, and not everyone's like that, but I always, I always push people to say, you know, what are you doing? Like, what are you creating around yourself that puts a little bit of pressure on your asshole? What are you doing to wake up in the morning and say, I need to get this one task done because I set it out for myself. You know, and that was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you that the preparation at the beginning of the year and the hardships of the late last year set me up for how hard I worked for December and how well I took this tricep tendon tear. I know it. And I also know that it's been the last four years because since I think 2017 was really a life-changing year for me. It's been those experiences, amongst many others, of course, that will set me up for stuff it's like you're you're marinating for greatness yeah you know you're you're really um investing time and you're really honing in and hammering out that iron with everything that you do as minute and as stupid as it may seem you will remember those moments and i can tell you now openly it's it's great that you brought that up i forgot that we called it the abyss but i can recall exactly what i thought when i wrote that and when we sat here, and I know that that was a hard, deep episode, as many as we have. I remember that. And it's because of where I was coming and where I wanted to go. Because, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I can look at the past and grow from it. I love it. <clears throat> so, um, in March, we had this episode, which absolutely exploded for some reason. I mean, I think it's the title really gets people, but... 
In March, the Warrior Code. Oh man, <laughs> oh, I, I love that episode. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, that this? one did great, huh? Yeah, fucking right. Yeah, it exploded. Um, there are paths in life that were meant to be trampled by our own worn and bloodied feet. Sometimes at a run, and sometimes at a sprint, we push forward relentlessly without mercy, and at times with great damage. But what is this path? This way? Who are we and they that walk these corridors of war, hearing the hymns and drums that beat alongside their souls? <sighs> Get fucked, nerd. I wrote that? You were fucking wrote that. Fuck, that made me emotional. It's not me. I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, that's cool. Well, first of all, um, <laughs> kudos to you, MDLP. Catching me off guard with that. John, I hate you. Um, mm. uh, the Warrior Code to me will probably go down as my greatest work because I think one day I'm going to write a book about this. And I want to be very specific. The term warrior to me doesn't always have to be a person that wages war physically. I think most people will tell you that. I think life is a battle in a sense. I think that uh, some choices we make and some hard paths that we take are parallel to the words of war inwardly. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as a um, person that is absent to understanding that these moments in time are created sometimes by me myself and not necessarily, you know, something that was thrusted upon me, like civil war and violence and stuff like that. But I would say that sometimes when you spend enough time inside your head that everything feels like a battlefield. Mm -hmm. And... It's unrelenting. Every it's like the trench warfare, and I use these terms. It's, you'll hear the similarities in writing and the words that I use because these words move me. You know, will, courage, perseverance, visceral, hardships, battle, war. Words are moving to me. That's why I have so many tattooed on my flesh and more to go. And I remember this episode being so fucking important to me because I was going, I was getting surgery. I think this was right before surgery. And I was really upset because I knew how long this was going to set me back. And people were already like, yeah, you know, people are, you know, this is it. You know, hey, it's your knee, man. Like, I was like, man, maybe you don't understand who I am. Mm. Let me show you. Let me tell you that you cannot take that battle. You cannot take that soul and that spirit from me. You cannot. It dies with me. And it's not that I don't, I used to be like, well, fuck what people think. It's not true. Because that's closing the doors. Maybe they're just looking for a story to listen to, to inspire. Or to <laughs> tell them, hey, this is not what I want. And I made it, I can remember this episode too, because this is one of the few episodes I actually listened to again. This is not a, a badge of honor. This is a life to walk. There are two different things. And unfortunately, this particular code has also put me in positions where I've shattered people's hearts and I have hurt my own heart and I have broken relationships and hurt friends and ruined things for myself, ruined things for myself, not just my body, but my mind and my spirit and my will and my connections. Because there's, of course you have to accept who you are and you don't have to walk it blindly. But the warrior code to me was the most, probably the most important, one of the most important podcasts that I'll ever do in my entire life. And 
I'm really proud of that. I did, I did not think I wrote that, but that was very moving because there are a few. There's not everyone is born this way. It just so happens to be that I'm friends with a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if that's just, you know, destiny. Not that I really believe in destiny. I really wish I did. But let's just use it for the terminology sense and the spiritual aspect of it. Sometimes destiny pushes these people together. And you have to cultivate that land. You have to cultivate those seeds and thrive with those mentalities. And I just happen to be very fortunate that some of the closest friends in my life live this way. And that makes for a very tumultuous friendship. But what do you expect? You know, you can't hold a sword and not expect to get cut. Just like when I got hurt, you can't expect to fly close to the sun and not get burned and then bitch about it. And this is the life. And that episode was indicative. I kind of want to listen to it again. I feel like it's going to talk to me differently, like music. I had recently said that, you know, words and music are different in different aspects of life. And maybe I'll hear it and feel it differently. Yeah. And, and it'll speak to me differently. I think we, what a beautiful luxury to have our voices in time like that. You know, I think our ancestors would kill. Yeah. You know. What the stories they would tell, huh? That'd be pretty you know, sick. Pretty, this is amazing. And so I take advantage of it. And that, it's almost like once I work with somebody, I'm like, do you want to know who I am? I'm like, there's an episode here. And this is, you want to hear a true story? My nutritionist lady, I hate to call it Mandy, not nutritionist lady. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm like in Step Brothers. <laughs> well, uh, human resources lady. Um, my name's Pam. 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 What a gross name. What a gross name. And, uh, that's my whole thing. It was like, you, she was like, oh, well, you know, this, this. I go, I have I have an idea for you. If you really want to understand the person that you're working with, I spilled my guts out on this episode. You know, we gutted ourselves. This is uh, the warrior code. And that completely changed our relationship in a professional setting. She's like, I think I understand where we're going. Okay, just wanted you to know that I'm willing to die to be the best. And I'm not going to, you're not going to, maneuver this way out of me she's like deal and it went amazing after that wow and that's how good that episode was to me and it was just really defined not only i hope not only for me but the people that i've I've been around you know this is inspired by people who i think have solidified that philosophy or who i aspire to be because of people that i've walked with i always say that you stand on the shoulder of giants because one time you tie their shoes I will, I will live and die by that. It's one of my favorite quotes by you. It's it's true. As and here we are. I was more like, you know what, Johnny? I've tied the shoes of fucking giants, and I stood on their fucking shoulders too. <laughs> That's my drunk voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of aggressive finger. Pointing, I'm a finger is, pointer, and then I get the full hand. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. when you know I'm getting after it. <laughs> it's a full hand poke. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> Anger is my love language, bro. Uh, clearly, if I'm not angry about something, I the if I'm indifferent, you should be nervous. <laughs> if I'm angry, at least you can be like, man, he must really like that sandwich. That he's so <laughs> mad at that sandwich. I'm like, there's no fucking mayonnaise in this fucking. I ordered the number seven from Burger King, lady. There's no fucking sandwich. There's no mayonnaise in my chicken. What the fuck? And you know, I love that sandwich. You put mayonnaise in my chicken, you fucking call me. God damn it, you know? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that, you, well, it's not funny. I don't know why I say that. That's it's just a good, uh, a good it's a tie-in. Good, yeah, it's a little transition. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> finding reasons why people listen to this, and I think what I'm starting to realize is that a lot of people are listening to this because they want to be understood. Right. 
and more and more what's happening is is we're creating an avenue for people to be understood because we are not just some random people who feel this one way there's a lot of us yeah and it's in so many uh aspects of life because everybody's life is so different but we're all tied into this warrior mentality in each each aspect of life you know right and when you travel somewhere and you you will when people say that you will cross paths know what that is at one point in time you are walking the path of another and that should be embedded into the fact that we will not always walk the same path or be the same person always, even though we're going in the right direction. Well, you could be going forward, but walking the path of the criminal and the liar at one point and the, and the coward. That that is a moment in time where you cross paths with another, another walkway of another lifestyle that you may not never want to go. And you know what? Sometimes we, we hang out there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We set up camp. And I tell people that. Please understand that this does not condone the fact of you being a fucking pussy forever or something like that. But when I say that, that the code, that there's this path, that you will cross paths with other people. And there's people that I admire. Like, I would consider my mom a person that is very much, in very many ways, a warrior. But my mom's super loving and giving. And I consider my mother more of a poet. Big heart, big romance, big giver. Yeah. So selfless. You know, but she's also had to be a bad fucking bitch sometimes. Yeah. But that we have, as I strive to be something like that, that I will cross paths with different things. And that's, I think, how we build this kind of community or listeners understanding that we may not all be walking the same path simultaneously, but there's going to come a time where we cross together of who we are. And there's that little pocket of understanding when you're like, Oh, I know what the fuck he's talking about. Or I would, when I have conversations to people that listen to the show, which is like the most flattering thing in the world. Yeah. I'm like, I understand you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and it's of course, of course, I, of course, I want to host more people, and that's something that we'll, you know, work on next year. I love hosting people. We love that. Um, mostly. But mostly. <laughs> but we started this show because we wanted to uh, be different. We wanted to start something different. And looking back at this year and looking at our episodes, um, it's a pretty beautiful feeling yeah. to have thousands of listens, thousands, which is crazy to say. Um and, on, and be happy. On 35 episodes for over 25,000 plays. Is <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty it's gross. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> And we've had some famous people on here, too. And honestly, we could. I can get all the famous people. I'm just like, nah, I don't know, man. When yeah. I, you know what's funny I is I, sometimes shit. I'll go through that list and I'll be like. Holy shit. Yeah, Tate, Coon, <laughs> yeah, Duffin. I mean, these people. McGill, like, yeah, Carol, Paul. Paul. Uh, you're like. I say these names and people are like, what? Yeah. What? What? Yeah. And it's just, it, it, and I'm like, you know what? Those aren't even our best I can, episodes. I can have fuck. Dr. Locke on next fucking week. It's just, you know, sometimes hard to coordinate, you know, because he lives in Australia and stuff yeah. like that. Down under. Yeah. And I, you know, part of it is, uh, is I think it's going to be great to do this in the future. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, uh, sometimes I just, we want to be selfish and we want to talk shit. It's and all the time. Yeah. Really? You are all the time. Yeah. I'm you're so shit. protective. <laughs> you're like, I don't want anyone in this show. I'm like, all right. 
right, I'm gonna just do my intro. Episode you know, thirty six. Okay. So the thing about it is, right? <laughs> let me just say this. Let's because switch this, a room. This is unfair. <laughs> the thing about this is, is because it's it's very difficult to do a podcast with somebody that you don't know as well as we know each other. Right. Right. So I know like what makes you tick. You know what I mean? Excuse me one second. Yeah, finish that. Mm. We're we're also sponsored by Glenlivet. Thank you guys very much for providing this bottle. We will not say it was for free-ish, but hey, it was delicious. Thank you so much. So it's very difficult to maneuver a podcast with somebody. You really don't know their habits. Yeah. And I it's hard on the I like to be in control of yeah. everything. <laughs> so. You know what it is, too? I'm not a huge fan of a phone stuff i know you can yeah. do it via video but i don't yeah, it's like really nice to be here but yeah. fucking, but and you I'm can't read you can't read yeah, the no. person it's right. i mean it's it's tough you know we did duffin which was great like, we did really good but it's really yeah for me it's uh, if anybody's in town like it, if and when dr lark does come over yes we're doing that when if we have Paul Rogers, bring his ass back down he is actually in january is he coming for the hybrid i think i think so because i know he got hurt yeah i'm gonna force him into uh into doing a podcast hell yeah Force, he's gonna love it. Yeah, he's gonna be like, "Oh, is that really a show?" Eh? You <laughs> oh know, my God. Oh. fucking, yeah, you know, because everything's a question. Yeah, <laughs> everything said with upward upward inflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it a nah. podcast? <laughs> I don't know if they say podcast, but I'm assuming God, so. Dude, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> we are not good people. Welcome no. to the show. Hi, if you're still here, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this one's for us, idiots. Woo. Um. All right, so we're gonna move on. Uh, because, wow, that young got me good. Yeah, suck the suck the suck the soul out of me. Yeah, I say that? that means two <laughs> things. That's why you have a baby. Congratulations, <laughs> Amen, brother. Yep. Uh, you know what? That no, was our listening? March. Well done. That was yeah. our March episode, April. Uh-huh. No episode because, yeah, Lola Michael was born. Young Lola Michael, and what, uh, a, what a sweet baby. The rekindling of Miami's baddest, fucking yeah. huge. That was huge. You know? I was. And that's a, an event that happened this year um, after we lost her last year because, you know, COVID and all this shit. That was, I put it on that show at that time has become such a thing for me. Now yeah. That that was, I was really awesome to have Miami's Baddest there and and bring it back. Um, I'm really excited about next year. It was incredible, actually. I got to watch some of the live stream. Yeah. While I was trying not to murder an entire hospital. Because you're stuck in your vehicle. <laughs> Dude, did I ever do did I ever tell that story? I'm gonna tell it on the podcast. Nice. Okay. Here's what happens. So it's April first, mm-hmm. like eleven PM. We're getting ready for bed. The wife's like, I gotta pee. She gets up and she walks back out and she's like, Uh, we gotta go to the hospital. Ugh. I'm like, What did I do? She's <laughs> like, No, my water broke. Yeah. Cool. So we shoot over to the hospital. And we pull into the emergency lane and we jump out and I get her and she's like literally pouring water on the ground all the way inside. And I'm like, this is good. Like, we're ready. Baby's coming. So we get inside and there's two people at the counter and I'm like, hey, my wife is about to give birth. Um, Her water broke. What's next? To which the girl at the counter looks at the other girl and goes, what do we do? I'm like, lady? (laughs) So Mel, because she's a, the ultimate soldier, is like pushes me by the face, and she's like, "Just stand outside." So she goes inside, and they're like, "You're gonna have to stand outside until the baby's coming. You can't come in because of COVID restrictions." I'm like, "Fine." 
So we're my wife's Honda Civic at the time, which is like my head literally touches the ceiling, <laughs> something like this. So now it's like midnight, and she's like, they're going to COVID test me, and then you'll come in after the results come back. 12, 1, 2, 3, 4 a.m. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Why am I still out here? Yeah. And she texts me, and she's like, uh, they forgot to do a rapid COVID test, so they have to re-COVID test me and then submit for rapid. What the fuck is this? Oh, my God. So I'm like, all right. So I drive to the 7-Eleven. I get energy drinks. I'm like sitting in the car. I'm like ready to fucking baby time. I'm ready to catch her. You know, I'm, I'm hyped, right? This mm. is like my firstborn. This is insane. This is it. And uh, she texts me like an hour. No, it's like 6 a.m. And uh, she's like, well, my my COVID test came back positive. You can't come in. What? That's right. I thought it was that he didn't allow said, you, but now I remember. I said, I'm sorry, what? She's like, yeah. With a COVID test, they want to protect all the nurses coming in and out, so you can't come in. So I said, I'm going to call you back. <laughs> I called Danny, because I know Danny gets up, your cousin. Yeah. I know he gets up at like 5, and I'm like, give me one good reason why I don't go in and fucking John Q this hospital right now. <laughs> John Q. And he's like, okay. You're not Denzel Washington. He's like, I will come and get you. Do not do that. And I'm like, I have to be there for this baby. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, that's not going to happen. So he talks me down. 7 a.m. I go home. Finally, I, I get two hours of sleep. I'm waiting. 9 p.m. the next night, I get a FaceTime. And it's the nurse holding the baby. <sighs> and she's like, congratulations. Dude, when what? I tell you, <laughs> like, Blubbering cry is not really the right term. <laughs> Straight ugly cry. But it's this stranger, and I'm like, like you, like, like my dude, child. Yes, like <laughs> fucking couldn't even breathe, like crying, and it, it, out of nowhere because I thought like I'm fine. Yeah, I'm and good. then she put the crying baby on the little FaceTime, and I thought I was gonna vomit. The most insane experience you, I ever. I had. I feel like somehow you deserve this. <laughs> so. There you go. This is also why I, I have think a daughter. you cleared the air. Yeah, you've had a girl. Oh, this this is. I think you're good now. I think it's time to do bad things again. <laughs> like, yeah, you have been cleared. This is just so you Jeez, know. Jeez, bro. I cannot. I want to do bad things so bad. Yeah, let's just set something on fire and even out. Yeah, let's just even it out. I mean, you know. So, anyways, time to gamble. So that was April, which was an insane month. Yeah, that was a good month right? for us. What yeah. the fuck? I was like three, four weeks post knee surgery. I was limping around everywhere. Yeah. I was trying to host yeah, that I show. Remember People texting like sit down. I'm like, fucking sit down. And I'm like ice my knee. I'm yeah. Like, like, how are you doing? Because I see you walking a lot. Yeah. Like, if it was like, don't walk. I'm like, I'm fine, bro. I put ice packs in there. I made people give me ice and shit. And then I, I got hammered. I remember. I hammered that night. I mean. But that's fine. That's my painkillers. Yeah. Whiskey. That's a lot. That's the thing. It's like my knee doesn't hurt anymore. I feel amazing. I'm an athlete. <laughs> you want to sprint, motherfucker? Uh, just like I was like two days after surgery, my cousin's like, "Do you want to go out?" I'm like, "I don't even need this oxycodone anymore. I love whiskey." Bang! <laughs> Friday night, <laughs> I was already fucking hammered at Empire. I was like, "Man, this is really hitting me." My These first, colors are weird. My first uh, experience with oxycodone after my meniscal surgery. Uh-huh. I slept for seventeen hours. Oh, I wish <laughs> they don't make like that. They don't make them like that anymore. That's a bad place. Yeah, it's light stuff now. Nine years ago, knee surgery. Fuck. My friends were all older than me. They were like, "When you hit thirty, well, not, oh. everything changes." Did I'm they like, tell you that you're gonna squat over five hundred pounds? Yeah, get fucked, yeah, nerds. Get fucked, nerds. On my way to six. Let's go. Yep. All right. So May. 
purpose. You ready for this? No. I don't even know. I don't even know what's being said. I'm not I love that like every <laughs> philosophical word you've ever said just actually goes into the wind and gets carried into who <laughs> fucking knows where. Probably Neverland. It's something, yeah. <laughs> a life traveled alone is one to cherish. A life traveled in the service of others is legacy. No path is paved without the blood, perseverance, perseverance. I can't see that. It's okay. Injury, business, and competition are expressed fondly in this episode. But the very real backbone that without purpose, no story will last forever. And no real warrior dies twice. (sighs) (laughs) What the fuck, bro? (laughs) Can we keep these for damn? I don't swear to if honestly if these were bad, I would tell it. Because you know I fucking rip myself apart when it's bad. The last part of that is my favorite. Um, I don't know where I heard that originally. Don't don't I don't remember. I know it was probably some gladiator, Viking, something like that. Where yeah. I had heard that a warrior dies twice is when um, you die physically, and when people stop speaking your name. I think we've talked about that a lot. And I be, I remember now that that episode was heavily on legacy, which ended up being from external standards. I think that was post Miami's. We were riding that communal high. I was getting back into training somewhat. Um, and there's just an incredible feeling of feeling a part of a culture and a community where you start to realize that purpose really comes from external factors. Yep. Um, I think that, we can honestly say, and I think we bounce around a lot from internal and external, that it's important to take care of yourself internally. It's important to find reasons and motivations internally. I think that repairing yourself internally is a process and should be the, the forefront of your, of, your, of your GPS, of your guiding uh, path, but that there is something to be said when your purpose comes from external factors that you have helped build. And I always refer to this many, many years or many episodes ago, probably a year or two ago about being a farmer mm. and, and to, and to sow seeds. And I remember saying this quite often enough. That was an anniversary mm. podcast. I remember that. Damn, you're good. I don't remember when, but I always said to people, I was like, I would be a farmer that farms carrots. I don't like carrots, but I love farming. And that's how it feels like to help others. Sometimes you may not even like that person or you know that they're going to hurt you or betray you. But you know that you love helping and that you know that that is your purpose and that it's outside of you and that you're not looking for the thank you. You're not looking to eat the carrot. You know, you know that somebody else is going to enjoy that carrot. And that the dirt in your under your fingernails and the sweat on your brow is what you live for. You live to work. I love to work. That's my thing. I love to work. And I mean that in all aspects. I just work at the gym. PT, food, podcast, conversations. Just being there for people is work. Loving someone. Love is work. I said it too. Love is work. You want to tell me what love is? Love is work. Mm. It is not this quintessential esoteric you know diamond found in a long lost cave 
it's work it's the actual climb it's the it's the the dig down it's mm. the dirt and the grime it's the it's the darkness it's the trenches it's the hardships it's the lies it's the cheating it's the, the cutting corners it's the heartbreak that that aspect solidifies love i would that's my mentality you know i love good things i love I, sometimes i'm tired and i love a day off and i love a good peaceful day but i don't know man i think to me everything was forged in fire and I cannot conceptualize anything else. Uh, I don't, I, it's maybe that I can't, I just don't want to right now. Maybe in a few years, I'll change. And I've, I'm open to that. I always say it. I've had, when people ask me all the time, and I've read it in science fiction, so it's like, oh, what would you say to yourself 10 years ago? I've always said, I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. I would listen, because that young motherfucker and me are probably going to fight. <laughs> I'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. And that guy would sock me around the goddamn mouth. And I'd be like... I used to push like a bitch. <laughs> I say something like that, even though it hurts. Um, Hope you packed a lunch, yeah, boy. But as we're going to sit down now, motherfucker. That's one. But I would listen because um, I just, I would need to talk myself out. You know, that's what you do with young people. Sometimes they, or younger people, or people that are inexperienced, you have to let them talk themselves out. And as they're talking, that you can see them realizing, and you're like, you are now seeing what I'm seeing because you're saying it. And to relate to that, it's like when you build purpose outside of you and it typically comes from somebody else, something else, um, hopefully your something leads you to your someone, and that's important mm. because those relationships are forged through through work and, and, and scars, and it's just so fucking important to me. And people, you know, people don't really see that that way, and I get it. I, you know, I don't think this podcast is for everybody. Um, but I love that. I thrive on that. And that episode and talking about purpose and stuff like that, it's just people in this room and people on this podcast and people that are listening. Someone is going to speak your name well beyond your years of death. I just hope that it's hundreds because you never want to die twice. And it takes uh, a person that is willing to push themselves outside of their comfort zone like that. And look, man, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of shitty people out there doing good things for people. Good for you. Good for you, man. Because not everyone's going to be liked on the way to the top. And when I, when I, that, that episode itself was so important to me. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes you have to go through that self-realization. And it's, uh, for me, I'm lucky enough that I can see that when I'm up and when I'm down. And that was the whole purpose of, purpose of that episode was, to solidify the fact that your legacy is an external field. I tell my wife all the time that I say, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm pretty sure she gets it, but I don't know if she gets it, but I always say, I hope the second time I die, you're the last person to speak my name. Oh. And she's like, Shut up! You're not gonna die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna die beautiful. way sooner than you think. Yeah, I'm like you don't. Yeah, yeah. Accept it. <laughs> exactly. And that's and now it's your daughter. And that's uh, that's important. And you know why, dude? And I think I'm not a parent, and not saying you know whatever. But not every dad is a father. You know, just like not every coach is a leader. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. I agree. And people will stop speaking your name at one point because your impact was only as far as you were willing to carry them in their life. 
And you have to assure that person, whether it's your lifter or your daughter or your mother, that you're willing to die to carry them to the next, that you are the last push they will ever see. Not everybody lives that code. You know what's funny? Uh, uh, kind of to tie things into your mom. Okay. I love her. <coughs> Me too. Your mom has a presence. Okay. In your time, you've met a ton of mothers. Mm. Um, Jake's mom, same same okay. feeling, yeah. right? So when you see them, you can feel mother like coming off them. Like I've met a lot of mothers, and like this is my mother, and you can feel that uh, that thing, and then you meet like someone like your mom who permeates motherhood. Yeah. That like if I came in that door, I would not miss a meal. I would not, I would have clothes on my back. I would have a warm place to sleep a hundred percent. There would be no question. And I hope that when my daughter is old enough to recognize these things, that like my being her father is transcending. Like if the, anyone she brings in the door, I will love them like her because she loves them. That's wow. That is my plan. That's my goal in this next long or short years that I have is like, I hope that I'm like that. Right. That when you see me, like that dad has us all. Well, it, it, of course, because your presence has a purpose. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was looking to say. And I, I, I was talking about it recently. It's like the biggest person in the room is the person with the biggest presence. And the person with the biggest presence has the biggest purpose. <laughs> And that, Write you, that don't down? Have to, <laughs> you don't have to say it. You can feel it. And uh, I think that's private to everybody. Like, the, you know, your purpose might be private, but your presence isn't. And <sighs> when you love something deeply or someone, you radiate it. And I'm not a big believer in like energies and shit like that, but there is something to be said. And I'm open to being wrong, please. That people, human beings, can feel that from you. Yeah. And that you are now 10 feet tall. And I know it because you're right. My mother has that. Yeah. And my mother 100%. is not violent, not big, not mean, not rich, not oh. strong. But my mom walks into a room and you're like, you, you don't have it. to know that my mom is my mom. You're just like, Doña Nora, do you need anything? Yeah. And then my mom is like, fucking a little coffee bean. Like two feet tall. She's like something crazy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Five feet. And, uh, yeah, and that's, I hope, that's where I hope to be too. And I, I strive on that. And then people ask me, where did you learn it? And it's not to discredit my father because I can talk about my father in an incredibly, a whole yeah. other scenario. But even my father would tell you. Ah, you can feel mom. from him that, like, that's a man you can learn from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can, man. But you can... From both of them. It's, but it's if different. you ask me that, it's my dad, my mom's presence has always been, and credit to my father when my father was younger. So it still is very charismatic. Yeah. That my mom has charisma, but nothing like my father. And I remember my dad being the life of the party and dancing and laughing. And my dad is old and tiny now. And everybody's like, oh my God, because he has charisma. Yeah. And I'm like, thank goodness that I was know fortunate enough to have these people as my parents to have something to strive for so i'm not saying i'm better than them it's just what a presence that they have 
My father used to say about my mother that my mother was a, a demon in any room. Nice. That, like, she would look you in the face, man or woman. And you're like, fuck. And if she didn't like that face, she would punch it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying this. And that's, like, my mom a thousand percent. But, like, also pretty cool to know that, like, she had the courage to stand up to anyone, right? You got to take that. Yeah. For what it's worth. I think about that a lot. And anyways. All right, so June. We've been on a very emotional journey this year because... Man. <laughs> what's happening here? All right, June episode. Pain. Oof. Fuck. Pain is presence, isn't it? For some of us, it's all we use. We know and love to love and move forward. But when did we stop asking the hard questions? The real ones. When did we stop asking them not only of ourselves, but those around us. I think that was the most, um, I don't want to say it's my favorite episode because Warrior Code is still like my favorite episode. Yeah. But I think episode of Pain was the one that I put so much passion into because of the timing, I think because of the current culture that was going around in social media and the science of psychology and a topic that I think all of us really live. And I think pain, and I always say it, pain is presence. And unfortunately for some of us, it's the only time we're present is when we're in pain. And I'm like, that is not okay. <laughs> And that is, it's not, and he, not only is this, here's my opinion, but here's the science behind it. And I wanted to kind of, first of all, psychology not only is my, is one of my, is my passion, um, aside from, you know, being my major or whatever, but I was sick of people opinionating things about just like, oh, this is anecdotal. I was like, here, there's a peer reviewed journals on how uh, being in pain and thinking of pain is actually going to kill you. And it's not only physical pain, but psychological pain and how this affects not only sport performance, but relationship with others. And I, man, that's fun. I forgot that we did that show. And I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm embarrassed to say that because sometimes, you know, you fr I just don't look back at my work. It's, I feel sometimes that my brain works like the annex of an artist where I just have like hundreds of pieces of canvases that only you look through or something. And and other people are like, hey, did you remember that? I'm like, it's probably a reason why I don't. <laughs> it's not that easy to come back to. It's not. And it, it, it was a great episode because uh, I love the science. And I love, I love, you know, actual, you know, statistical and quantitative data about the mind. It's true. There is a science of psychology. But there was also an aspect of where I think that concept, and maybe the warrior code was a little bit more specific when I thought there's everybody that deals with pain. And I'm talking about, and I even said, I go, my pain probably does not amount to anything comparatively to what people are feeling, but the human endeavor to either live in pain or try to get out of pain needs to be discussed and talked about openly. And without this kind of political, you know, sheet over it where it's like, Oh, you can't really say that. I'm like, no, yes, I can. And it's not okay. 
and that you being okay with pain or you being okay with the struggle or you needing to be in pain to be productive is wrong. You're wrong for that. And once you understand that you're wrong, then we can move forward. You know, it's like when you do a bad thing, like when you're doing fucking, if you're doing a bunch of fucking drugs and you're out there doing some bad shit, I always say, because I know, because I've been there, I'm like, this is what I call it, the devil's hour. I'm doing some crooked ass shit. I'm not painting myself anything good. I'm, I'm a, this is bad. This is this thing as a halfway crook. Like, Ooh. it's, yeah, it's a little, a little, little mob deep. deep. Oh, <laughs> get fucked, nerds. <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I don't like to paint that that way. Yeah. And it's okay to talk to your, I remember specifically speaking about athletes and how they're, sometimes the pain just is not physical. It's their emotions. It's their mental aspect. And to be, and it's hard to be like, what's up with you? I need to speak with you. And that conversation is awkward and it's hurtful and everyone is in a bad place. And you pull this person aside and everybody's being ripped wrong. And everybody's kind of in this conundrum where, you always want to paint your co- your your lifter with compliments. Of course, I would love to shroud all my lifters and friends in compliments, but compliments do not create fucking champions. You weren't bred and honed in and hammered into greatness by somebody smothering your asshole with fucking good things when there are bad things. I'm not saying, you know, I don't create. This is how I was coached, and I will always honor Wesley for this because Wesley is a big portion of why I am the man I am today. There's my father, my brother, and Wesley Carroll. That's a lot, man. That's a lot for me to say that, and I've met a lot of great men in my life. But when something was wrong, he's like, you're fucking wrong. And even if he was wrong about being wrong, at least there was the conversation and the exposure that he was willing to go out on a limb to be wrong about being wrong about me because that takes courage. Because it's hard to be wrong about somebody you love. It's hard to be out on that limb, on the edge of that precipice of that cliff and go, I think you're wrong. You're like, no, well, actually, you're wrong. And then you feel like an embarrassed piece of shit. Because you care about that person so much that you're willing to try and dare for them. And pain was such an incredible podcast for me because that is the way that I perceive things. Sometimes people see me as this fucking relentless you know finger pointing animal and it's because my role as a person that's and i said it in other ways it's like if we if i cut you now that we can bleed tomorrow there's a reason because i would love to drown as the bad guy if you're going to be the good guy that's my role i am good with that i am okay with painting i'm not doing it proudly i'm not doing it like look at me it's because I know what being a bad person, bad athlete, coward, piece of shit, motherfucking pussy is. I know what that is. I don't want you to live that life. So when I tell you, you trusted me with something. You reached out to me to make you better than what you were. Not because I'm better than you, but because I'm worse than you. And pain was the fucking greatest thing because I sat there and I'm like, there is science behind this. And I'm proud of that. I'm okay going to the grave being that motherfucker. Nobody. I've never painted myself a good person, Johnny. Never, dude. Never. It's always, and even, I think, even in, you remember MySpace, dog? I had, I'm in danger of becoming a good man since I was like 21. Because of fucking Gladiator. 23 or whatever the fuck. 
Who even knows? Who even knows anymore? 20s are gone. 20s are gone. Now I'm 37. Fucking idiots. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm not here to paint you an example of what to be. I'm trying to paint an example of what you should be. And I 100% have sat and always sit in these, in these, my heels and going, this is why coaching has changed my life. Because to have that conversation with somebody and be like, hey, man, we're going to die on this hill if we have to. But if somebody has to make it out alive, it needs to be you. And everyone's like, oh, Mike, you know, like, you know, how do you deal with this stuff? And you're beat up. And I'm like, man, I really don't care. Because I know that even at my worst day, somebody is learning from that. And I'm good with that. I think real coaching lends itself to that. Real leadership. <laughs> and it's not like I'm out tearing my fucking tricep on purpose. I didn't take a butter knife to my tricep. But um, that'd be interesting. But I would, I would argue that that, that episode was, the, was so deep for me. Because I wanted to show people that, you know, we're a little bit more than just opinions. Like, not only do I think this is correct but that perpetual chronic pain is exacerbated by a poor outlook. Th this is science, that that physical pain will now become a deep-rooted psychological continuous pain because of your perspective. And somebody needs to be there to tell you, hey, you're fucking wrong. This is wrong. This is okay. And if you want to hate me for it, good. But after everything else, when you walk out of the room and you get your shit together, you're like, fuck, this guy was right. Because that was what every argument with Wes was. I'm like, this motherfucker doesn't know anything. <laughs> and I would go home and I would fucking pout and I would come back and be like, I'm sorry. And then I'd get my ass beat. <laughs> 2022, we're going to look to have Wes on a podcast. Oh, my God. If you can get him out of the house. I'm a, okay, done. Yeah, well, we're definitely gonna hear. Oh Mike, my God, I'm Mike cry. cry for sure. Oh, no, ugly cry. <laughs> John in a car, baby COVID, crying like. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Oh can't wait. fuck, that's such a good idea. Somebody I think needs to die. cry harder than me. Fuck, you want to cry? You want to cry harder than me, pussy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, August we did Q and A. I don't know if you want to review Q and A. There wasn't much uh, in terms of yeah, like. It was fun. Q&As, we, we get it. We know yeah, what good for you. Thank you, guys. Uh, Honestly, the Q&A is cool, but thank you very so much. They're so cool. Yeah. I mean, you guys really, really give us life in terms of what you put for us. I mean, you build, uh, you don't even realize, you build an entire episode of this podcast just based on your requests for knowledge. It's so fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's I love so Q&As, cool. honestly. I, I really do, too. I wish we did more, but I don't. Yeah, well, of course. Because they're not your questions. Because <laughs> they're not my questions. My questions are better. Stupid idiots. I'm the best. You're welcome. <laughs> all right, so we're going to jump in. So we're going to go all the way to October. Because as many episodes as we did, um, we didn't we didn't do every month like we wanted. Because it's yeah. just... August real, was tough. August, the, September was tough. The reality is we fucking have busy lives. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. All right, so October... Pressure. Oof. <clears throat> Diamonds are formed through the strain of pressure and time. 
Preparation for a competitive contest can coincide with your ambitious tasks in life. Family, friends, work, pleasure, etc. All don't have to take a back seat instead a different seat, right? Mm. We sit down and we talk optimizing, sacrificing, and fighting through the contest prep in a way that will echo for a lifetime. Not just a trophy or a total. Oof. Man, stupid reviews. That was when we were, that was October getting ready for uh, for Throwdown and the concept of nationals, and I remember these things. Um, and this is something that relates to what we were talking about earlier, about external pressures um, and, and being in presence. And I'm a big believer, and I will always be a big believer, that if it's going to be presence and pressure in your life, that a lot of it and most of it, should be somewhat generated by yourself. You know, it's like the ring of fire, you know. It's okay to be surrounded by fire, but make sure you were the spark. Make sure you were the catalyst. Make sure that if you're burning alive, it's because you set fire to yourself. That you are in this forest fire, good or bad, because I do see fire, and I see challenge. I see growth. I see rebirth. If you want to get philosophical and artistic, I think that that's why forests burn on purpose, on their own. And now we have replicated this as men. We burn forests so they can regrow new life. They can get away from old life. It can re- rebuild. That's why the end of the year is so valuable. If you're educated about nature, if you're educated about science, things will burn when they need to grow. I've never seen fire and self-destruction and self-rage as a, you know, a a cavity of it and a trench and a, and a, a cavern of loss. Instead, I try my whole life because I'm a person that lives in these fucking moments. I'm super self-destructive, self-doubtful, self-hatred. I live here. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just, I, well, I do know why, but that's a whole other thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Episode 37. It's episode 37. <laughs> self-hatred. Um, and I think that a lot of us uh, have come into these terminology and this understanding that, you know, it's okay to look at things like that and see that those are the biggest reasons why we are who we are. I understand that there's a big movement out there for peace and balance and, and, and things going righteous. I, I get it. Thank God, man, maybe I'll get there one day and I hope to. It's just that right now where I'm in my life and it's the last four years and maybe the next four or five or 10 or however the fuck long I have to be on this goddamn earth. I don't see myself as a person that will ever shy away from those embers, which I love that word, embers that boil inside of me, just getting ready to set fire to things. That being said, let me be very specific. Setting fire to things comes with a heavy price. And it's what I said is the warrior code. I have learned to set fire, not because of accident, but by choice. I have learned through an incredible valley of mistakes, and I'm still learning to quench that fire, to let it be that it's, I'd rather watch you see me burn than me set fire to the earth that I'm trying to cultivate and farm. I have learned, and I use these terminologies, and I use these uh, picturesque concepts because I think all of us have a science fiction nerd deep down inside our bellies. 
And I use this, like, I want you to picture the fact that some of us learn and describe and feel by using words like courage and challenge and honor and battle and war because deep inside our romantic hearts, somewhere deep inside, there's an author and a writer and a reader and a kid and a nerd that wants to live in times that may not exist, but that they will push you and to grow you into something great. And that people are shying away from conversations like this because we've attached ourselves to memes and posts that are meaningless. Because no one writes and no one reads and no one dares and no one tries and no one fails because the courage takes action that is rigid and set. So when I talk like this, it's not because I think that I'm trying to be smart. It's because I know it speaks to a certain part inside of you that echoes in some sort of little kid way when you opened up where the wild things are. And it speaks to us, the giving tree, these things that aren't real, this poetry. And so when I, I, I read things like that and I see like your preparation and pressure, I think that fire is the worst and best thing. But those who learn to control chaos will always be the most dangerous human beings in the world. And danger is not bad. Absence of understanding danger is for cowards, and cowardice is the worst thing in the planet. And that's how my mentality works. And that's what I sit and think about at 2 in the morning, and I don't have to take a drop of mushrooms to get to this fucking level. I think about these things all the time. And I think about how these words and this stuff make me sound a little bit fucking insane, but I really don't care because those who listen feel and those who feel take action. And I'm good with that. I'm okay with that concept because that's why I can get over a tricep tendon tear and I can get over heartbreak and I can get over lies and stuff like that because, and why I don't let people's betrayal and insults really last that much longer than they need to. But everything's about a forest fire and that's why that's my favorite fucking tattoo. That's my favorite fucking tattoo. I like that tattoo too, also. I love burning things down. It's my thing. Fire is a motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I am notorious for burning, especially if it's good. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like... Oh, you like this thing? And I, I tell people that sometimes. I said, uh, you know, there's a plot of land. That's why I love the farmer terminology. I, the farmer is one of the hardest working human beings in the world. I think all of us have had a farmer ancestor or friend or family or uncle, and they work all the time. Also, amateur strongman. Yeah, right. <laughs> the best amateur strongman. <laughs> and I think that, you know, when you set fire to a piece of land, it's not burning your entire plot. And when you burn a part of your crop, it's not burning your entire revenue. And that there's still rain. And that that's still time to heal. And that there's going to come seasons. And I think viewing life in a nature and an animalistic perspective, because I always believe that animalistic perspective is the way I view life primarily, and there's no animals without nature. And when you view things like that philosophically, when you see things like this are setting fire to your being, and that this could be this, that the rain is coming one day. And that's why I love that song, because I control the rain. And rain isn't that concept of it, the philosophy of it. That's why rain is my weather, and I'm a person that exists in fire. And if you had to put terminology to me, you wouldn't call me a water person 
Like, Michael's such a fiery motherfucker. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. But you don't know that I'm always praying for rain. And I accept it, and I feel it, and I wait for it. You've said to me once, probably more than once, in a bar late <laughs> at night. Those are my best conversations. With a full hand, five <laughs> hands spread. Uh, set your fires with intent. Mm, I said that? Yeah. Motherfucker. And I think about that all the time because I didn't quite get it. Like, for me, in the beginning, it was just burn everything that was good. Because it's like a, I don't deserve this kind of intent. Right. And then it was like, okay, well, this can be better. So let's set our fire here. Let's build it better. Because it deserves to be better. I deserve this to be better. And I think about that a lot. Setting fire with intent. It's something that stayed with me for a long time. I think you said it to me. We've been at a lot of bars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think about, and you know what's funny is a lot of people think that like when we're in a bar together, it's like us the entire time, but it's not. Mm. It usually sometimes circles around towards the end of the night where we get to each other and we're like, (laughs) finally. And it's, yeah, it's like all of these things happen in a 30-minute conversation of like, all of the things that we've experienced in this quick little cycle. But setting fire with intent has stayed with me for a long time. And that's, I never, I'm glad I said that. I know you don't want to think that like the things that you say have so much, I don't know, long term. I, I don't, but they do. It's I funny. Don't, I don't take uh you don't want don't to be quoted well. as like yeah, a I philosopher. Well. I don't take it well. You don't want someone to go, oh, the great Michael De La Pava once said. I, I, you know what? And I don't take, uh, I don't take real love well. I don't, uh, I don't take it well. I take attention well because I think the tension is superficial. Even though you've been truly loved for so yeah, long. Yeah, and it's fucking hard. And I've talked about it on other episodes too. It's like I don't take that well. And I try to set fire to it. And of course. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you know, but I'm getting better. Yeah, you are. I'm getting better. I'll I'm agree okay with, with that. that. I'm getting better. I'm okay with that. I'm getting better. I'm not good. <laughs> I'm just in <laughs> danger of becoming a good man. I love it. All right, so. we're gonna, Man, this went so fast. Yeah, I know, like super fast. All right, so December, we had our throwdown. We, we obviously know what happened, but let's talk about it. Preparations demand a lot from us, our friends, our family, and our courage. From putting on a show to coaching the staff and the athletes competing at Throwdown, we take a deeper look on what makes the machine tick. If anything was proven to us that weekend is that anything is possible on and off the platform, and that is something worth living for. This is the last one, huh? That's December. That just happened. I was, um, I was thinking about what I, what a, a person's life. I would say a man, but I think a lot of that's irrelevant. Right. I think a person's life is going to be um, dictated by your works of art, and that an artist is a creator. 
and I sometimes see that the shows that we do and the cultures that we build are just works of art. And that as complicated and as ridiculous as art is defined, we can always agree that creation is the closest thing to God one can get. And I'm not saying I'm godlike. I'm just saying art is the closest thing one can get. That's why it's been so praised in the past. And I think all of us seek something, some connection to the the skies or your limit or something great, something greater. And when you create a show and you build a culture, even when you develop a friendship or a connection with a lifter, that it's... It's like you woke up in a field of grass with the sun on your face. And that is something worth living for, and that is worth dying for. That those moments in time are endless. And I suppose that's why people who are in these scenarios are so protective of it. And there was something that Gavin, my PT, made a video about me, which came to me completely blindsided four days post-surgery, so I was feeling in my shit. I was in my emotions, too. This is, I could tell you, I have my ups and my downs. And he's like, yeah, you know, I do. I'm a, a cocky asshole. But when you created something from scratch, wouldn't you be protective? Wouldn't you give everything to protect it? I said, yep. And when you see these these moments and you're... you're if, you ever, if you've ever created something, art or music, or you've ever been to a gallery and you're looking at this piece of art, a real art, <laughs> not a banana taped to a wall, but I get it. And you're looking at everyone around you and they're looking at your work or they're hearing your music or they're hearing your words or they're laughing at your jokes. And it's like, I did this. And you feel special and you feel admired and loved and cared for and I don't care who you are but you'll never stop chasing these feelings and there's something to be said about when you do that for someone else I'm just lucky enough that my canvas sometimes is not only the physical culture that I've lived in but the experience and the community and the people that I've met to be exposed to them to to be a part of their life to be a whisper in their community and to be a whisper in their legacy is is the closest thing to heaven sometimes some of us who believe in nothing can ever achieve. And that is everything. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I can. you can say that I'm really protective and I'm really tenacious about protecting what I think is beautiful. I don't care how small it is. I don't care how insignificant it could be to others. I don't care how ridiculous it may sound. I don't care how absurd the concept of breaking your body and have to inspire others sounds like to you. But to me, it's, it's everything. It's, it's purpose. And that is, for some of us, uh, the only thing worth living for. So, <laughs> I guess sometimes people uh, 
confuse the fact that I am so uh, driven because it's like comes from a place of, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a cocky piece of shit, but that is not the underlying factor. I think some of us are just swimming through waves hoping to find a rock and that rock is purpose and that rock is presence and that rock is friendship and that rock is a friend and that rock is a lifter and a PR and that rock is a gym session. It's not therapy. It's being found. It's that lighthouse shining on you on these rocky waves. I don't expect people to understand that. If that was true, then everyone would be a strength athlete. And everyone would be a person that drives into a positions of life. And everyone would preach the warrior code and we would all be the same. But that's not true. Nobody wants to be the same. They want to be etched out in time. Uh, it's like woodwork, you know. There's no piece of woodwork ever that's ever going to be the same. No cut of wood, no cut of stone. And that's everything to me. And if I can be even an ounce of that in anyone's life and to not die twice, wouldn't you give everything to protect that? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you die for that? Wouldn't you, more importantly, live for that? Because sometimes I feel like <laughs> dying for it is the easiest thing for some of us. But that's the easy choice. That's the expected choice. That's the acceptable choice. But to stay alive and trudge and fight and strove and push and question and be the bad guy and, and and be the unrelenting force and to be this this presence that sometimes is overbearing and confusing and unrelenting that you know somewhere deep inside your heart it's for the greater good because you're doing it from a genuine fucking place of trying to swim as hard as the person you're trying to help. That they're not the only ones drowning. That you know what air tastes like because you're fucking choking. That's purpose. That's putting things on. This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Welcome you the best fucking year possible. Because everything does end. So don't be a fucking pussy.